The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're going to run in the right place with us today. Wow, what a topic. Let's get started. The buzz is charge. What does she mean by that? Let me get started and tell you. With almost 1 million electric vehicles, that's right, I said almost a million electric vehicles already in use on roads around the world. That's right, not just in North America, around the world. And traffic volume is growing by the day. And we all hate traffic and it's going to get worse. Guess what? Utilities that are going to power these electric vehicles are faced with a huge surge in power demands. It just makes sense. The cars need energy to run. Somebody's got to supply it. So we have some questions on the table today. Can the aging electrical distribution networks, which we know were built long ago for a different era, there weren't these big demands on them, can they handle the rising load without the need and the expense, the time, the effort, and the investment to rebuild the basic infrastructure? Big question. Lots of implications. The answer is yes. With the help of sensors that are now in cars, in homes, and the power grid, this is possible. But even with this new connected Internet of Things opportunity, will this be adequate for drivers? Are you a business driver? Are you a trucker? Are you a van driver? Are you a limo driver, a hearse driver, whatever you are? Are you a business driver? And most of us we know are leisurely drivers. Some of us need to drive. Some of us just like to drive to somewhere. When do we want to drive? Right now, damn it. We want the power in our electric cars if we're lucky enough to have one. We want the power now. So what's going to happen? Let's talk to our panel of experts. And by the way, our official topic today is the charge of the electric car, utilities, and the IoT. Those of you hiding under a rock for the longest time, IoT is Internet of Things. I have to do a shout-out to IoT Attack. We're already tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio, and I started as well, so please join us. So let's get started. Our first guest is Prashant Kulkarni. He heads... Tech Mahindra's SAP Business Analytics Practice for North America, and the operative word there is the company he works for, Tech Mahindra. We'll find out more about them later. And Prashant has sent me a wonderful quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Here is the quote. If I have the belief that I can do it, I shall surely acquire the capacity to do it, even if I may not have it at the beginning. Sounds very powerful. Prashant, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show. 
Delighted to have you. Tell me about this interesting quote from Gandhi. How does it apply to our topic? Big topic, very important for the whole world to know what's going on with the power grid. Go ahead, Prashant. Absolutely, Bonnie. Mahatma Gandhi has been very uh, motivating from the, with this statement, uh, specifically with, for this scenario, because we come in... Uh, I primarily come from the IT world where I've been you know, designing solutions for uh, you know, for SAP, CRM, and you know, other uh, you know, ERP solutions. But now with IoT, you are moving more towards the device. Every single day, it's a new terminology, it's a new protocol, it's like you know, you're learning new technologies, new terms, and you, know, you say, I mean, am I ready for this? And then you go back, look at this statement from Mahatma Gandhi, and then say, if you truly believe, that yes, you want to do it, you can go ahead, you can learn, you you can acquire the required skills and make it happen. Well, I think it's a it's a can do quote, wouldn't you say, Prashant? It's a can do quote that if you just if you I think I'm going to turn the word belief into commitment. If you believe and you're committed to doing it, does that make sense to you? Absolutely, absolutely, one. And that's what we're really looking for. We're looking for the commitment. We we have electric cars for a reason, and we have to give people the opportunity to use them and go, and the world needs that power now. Thank you, Prashant. I'm so pleased to have you on the show. And now I'm going to introduce one of your colleagues. Very rare for us to have two people from the same company on the show, and I'm delighted to welcome Pratik Saxena. He leads a startup within Tech Mahindra. So we'll just say he's from the startup that happens to be at Tech Mahindra, focusing on developing a platform for microgrids, and we're going to be talking about that later. And Pratik has sent me a wonderful quote from Henry Ford. You all know he was an American industrialist. He's the founder of the Ford Motor Company, and it's interesting that we would be talking about Henry Ford on a show about electric cars. So we'll talk about that later. Here's the quote. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. Love the quote. Pratik Saxena, welcome. How are you today? I'm very good, Bonnie, and thank you for having me on your show. Uh, Thank you very much. Delighted. Talk to me about this. I'm so pleased that somebody brought a Henry Ford quote to the show about electric cars. It's just like bringing the old and the new together. And that's what we're talking about, the infrastructure, and what are we going to do about it for today and the future. So tell me how this quote specifically relates to our topic, Pratik. Yeah, thank you. And uh, it's very interesting that uh, Mr. Ford uh, started a car company, and now we are uh, 100 years ahead, and we are talking about electric cars and talking about how we can uh, overcome the uh, challenges of infrastructure uh, to meet the demand of uh, electric cars. Uh, But more than that, I just want to highlight that the first lesson uh, on this quote came from my personal life uh, when I was dating my girlfriend and now who is my wife, uh, and it was uh, coming together was a beginning. At that point of time, it was all interesting and it was fun. Uh, and then I realized uh, 10 years later that, you know, uh, keeping together is a progress. And, and, and now 17 years later, uh, after we, we are married, uh, we are working towards our success. And that's what I call uh, is a team, uh, you know, team game. And uh, it is all about meeting the challenges uh, as a part of team. Uh, and when we are talking about electric cars uh, and the challenges they they uh, put on the grid, uh, which is uh, not only on a you know on a larger grid, but uh, even on the uh, distribution level at the transformer level, uh, it is uh, the matter of uh, 
coming together, uh, which is uh, IoT platform uh, service providers, uh, the technology providers, electric car providers, uh, and, uh, uh, and the utilities, and, and try to resolve that problem. And that's what we'll be talking about uh, in the show. Thank you. Thank you, Pratik. I love the relationship reference. And when I mentioned to Prashant when we were talking about his Mahatma Gandhi quote that I believe the word belief could have in addition to or be substituted by commitment, commitment is part of relationships. And I think that's what we're talking about here, Pratik and Prashant, is is the relationship of we wanted electric cars, we have them. What's the relationship right. with the grid that has to power them? And it does come together. Working together is success. And that's what we're talking about is how to work together toward that success. So thank you both. Great quotes. And we're not done yet. We have one more panelist. He is Lalit Kanarin, a vice president of customer innovation and strategic projects at SAP Labs. And Lalit has sent me a wonderful quote from Michael Jordan. What a trio of great quotes. Gandhi, Ford, and Michael Jordan. Does it get any better than this? And here's the quote. I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something, but I can't accept not trying. Beautiful quote. Lalit, welcome. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me about the quote. How did Michael Jordan get in a show about electric cars and the power grid? Talk to me. Well, you know, uh, probably 20 years ago, my brother approached me with uh, an opportunity to join his startup. And, you know, I had a great job at the time. And I thought to myself, you know, it would be it would be wrong to not take the chance, even at the risk of failure. And and I really judged it at the time on what would future Lily think about not trying or not putting forth the effort to to do this. And 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 that idea of persevering and trying and and taking risks and failing sort of continued through the startup. I think the first three or four ideas we had as a startup didn't quite pan out, but we always believed we had a great team. We always believed that. You know, we could put forward a great effort, and, and despite the failures, we would learn from them, we would iterate through them, and we would just keep at it. And eventually we were able to uh, hit on a great product idea, execute on the idea, you know, raise funding and sell the company. So so I think failure is, is something we, we can't make people afraid of if we want to have a, a culture of entrepreneurship and innovation. Very well put, Lalita. And we speak about this often. We do many shows on innovation here on Game Changers Radio. And one of our favorite and most frequent quotes, Lalita, is fail fast and fail often. But we also talk mm-hmm. about big enterprises where the culture is not so welcoming. It's not so forgiving. It's not so understanding. This is more acceptable in the context of, as you mentioned, entrepreneurs, startups. I call it companies with a gleam in their eye. Do you agree with that, the, the idea that it's, it's okay to try? And failure, failing fast, failing often, but learning the lessons can be a good thing, Lily? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, we always celebrate success, so we always... Mm-hmm. You know, we always learn of, of the best efforts that people have put forth, but there's a lot of blood and sweat and occasionally, you know, tears that go in, into it. And, and we have to teach people that it's the per- perseverance and, and the ability to put forward the effort. And as you said, fail fast, fail often. That's how you get the best ideas out there. 
Thank you very much. And you know what I realized before we turn it back to Prashant and ask what's in your cup today, because on Game Changers Radio, we always want to know a little bit about our favorite beverages of our panelists. I just want to read a drop of history about the electric car, because we're talking about it as though it's it's sort of something new, but in fact, I'm learning it is not. The first electric cars were produced in the 1880s. I did not know that. Electric cars were popular in the late 19th century and early 20th century until advances in and combustion engines and mass production of cheaper gasoline vehicles led to a decline in the use of electric drive vehicles. The energy crises of the 1970s and 80s brought a short-lived reinterest in electric cars, but they didn't reach mass market stage, as is the case now in the 21st century. Since 2008, which is just, what, seven years ago, a renaissance in electric vehicle manufacturing has occurred due to advances in batteries and energy management, Concerns about increasing oil prices and the need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, blah, blah, blah. So I really didn't know that. Uh, Now they say as of June 2015, which is just a couple weeks ago, the number of mass production highway-capable all-electric passenger cars and utility vans available in the market is limited to over 30 models, mainly in the U.S., Japan, Western Europe, and China. So there. Did everybody know that except me, Prashant, Pratik, Lalit? Was everybody aware of that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You've done your well, so much for the kid who knows how to find Wikipedia while she's hosting live radio. I do this all the time to my panels. I'm always curious. <laughs> I call it level setting, and, and I really should have put some of that in the intro, but now we know this is not a brand new concept. It's just a concept that's in Renaissance resurgence, and now we have the issue. It's so popular. What the heck are we going to do to power these cars? But before we get into the depth of our topic, let's circle back to Prashant Kulkarni. Prashant, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? And either what are you drinking right now, if it's interesting, or what's your favorite beverage for after the show? Go ahead, Prashant. Uh, Bonnie, I'm calling from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and it's 10.15 a.m. now. Um, I just, as you know, I just traveled from India uh, last night, uh, which it was a 25 hours you know, journey. Um, so I'm just having plain water for now. <laughs> But yes, uh, while in India, I did try a lot of different variety of drinks, and my favorite has always been um, the tender coconut water uh, right right from the tree, right? That's really amazing. (laughs) And and what do you do? Do you you shake the coconut down, and you you tap, tap, tap with a heavy hammer, and then you just hold up the half of the coconut? I've seen that. Is that what you do, or is there a better method? Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what is done. And that probably. And, and not just that, Bunny. Um, yeah. There's also, uh, you know, sugarcane juice. I mean, that's pretty famous down there, uh, and you get that in multiple flavor, multiple flavors of mint lime. Uh, you should try that. It's really amazing. I will. Thank you very much. Permission to drink sugar. I like that a lot. I do it already without permission. Thank you very much. I was going to say in the coconut, tapping it down. We see it in cartoons. We see it in pictures, I think, of cavemen if they had them in those days. That predates the introduction of the electric car in the 1880s. So we've got even more history. Thank you, Prashant. Pratik Saxena, where are you calling from? And by the way, I'm in New York on Long Island, Prashant, so we're in the same time zone. I can almost wave to you if I get up on the roof of my building. Hello. Prashant, I see you. Uh, I'm peeping out of my window. (laughs) (laughs) Keep that. You can open the window with a coconut. Pratik, where are you calling from? The time of day, and what are you drinking, please? 
Yeah, Bonnie, uh, I'm, I'm calling from uh, beautiful wine country uh, in Sonoma uh, Valley, nice. North California, near San Francisco. And uh, it's about 7 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and about uh, the drink, uh, I have been asked by my colleague uh, who is uh, listening to the show and tweeting, uh, uh, and she works for Tech Mahindra, uh, Ashima Kakkar, and she wanted to... Uh, she wanted me to talk about masala tea from India, which is very, very famous, and it is available in almost uh, all the tea stalls uh, across India. And uh, the specialty about this masala tea is this uh, tea with the spices. Uh, they use cardamom, they use uh, ginger, uh, and they mix it uh, with tea leaves and uh, uh, with milk and sugar, or if you don't want sugar, then you can have that option. Uh, the the best part, Bonnie, is the sustainability, which is using uh, earthenware uh, cups rather than plastic or paper cups. So in India, it's very uh, common to use earthenware pots uh, to drink tea, and this also promotes the local cottage industry, uh, and also it's uh, very eco-friendly, where you drink tea and then you can dispose of uh, these cups uh, and they mix with the earth, right? So uh, these are the things which I thought I will share. Uh, another colleague of mine who is also listening to the show and tweeting uh, is Neil, and uh, she, he wanted me to talk about uh, Indian beer. And uh, the unique uh, thing about Indian beer is it comes into 650 ml bottles uh, compared to what we get in U.S., which is 350 ml. And I'm talking about beer in a morning show because it's almost uh, 7.30 uh, in the evening in India. Uh, so it's almost a beer time for him. Uh, so uh, And then alcohol content is little more than what we get in the U.S. So I, I can see why Neil is so excited and uh, enjoying his time <laughs> in the evening. I say shout out to Neil. I think I got an email from you earlier. So, Neil, you're welcome to tweet about your beer at hashtag SAP Radio. By the way, Pratik, I looked up a recipe for Indian chai masala tea, and this recipe says in a mortar you crush cloves, cardamom pods and a cinnamon stick broken into pieces or Mm -hmm. you grind them in a coffee grinder you take the crushed spices you put them in a saucepan add water ginger pepper pepper and bring to a boil you remove the pan from the heat cover it let it steep for five minutes and then you add a half a cup of milk two tablespoons oh i love this of granulated sugar (laughs) yum and uh, then finally finally you add the tea two tablespoons of black tea and this is a masala tea stir in the stir the chai strain it in a warm teapot and directly pour into teacups and enjoy so there is a recipe from food.com for indian masala chai tea did you like that one Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, I just want to add one more thing. Uh, you know, um, uh, one of my uh, cousins uh, uh, in San Diego, he just tweeted me that he is having kahwa, which is a more refined version of masala tea. Uh, his name is Prashant Bhatt, and he is having uh, kahwa, which is a Kashmiri tea. Uh, it's same as, uh, recipe is same as masala tea, but uh, you add dry fruits like almonds. Uh, to your tea. Uh, so you can imagine how spicy and how uh, strong these teas are. So. Well, thank you very much. Spicy and strong. <laughs> I won't make a comment, but that sounds good to me. Lalit Kanarin, I can't ask you to top these stories, but we'll just say, where are you? What time of day is it? What are you drinking? And tell us something wonderful. 
Okay, great. I'm in uh, Toronto, Canada, where we just hosted a very successful Pan Am Games, and the Canadian athletes had a great showing. Right, great. Uh, and before I give my answer, I'll, uh, I'll I'll just comment on the on the on drinking coconut water. I uh, marvel at how connected a world we live in. About five minutes from our office, I can go and get a young coconuts, and we've actually keeping a machete at home in our garage, and we can crack them open and enjoy um, coconuts that were produced tens of thousands of miles away. Um, so I love that. Um, but I'm drinking this morning a cup of uh, Red Rose Orange Pico Tea with a smidgen of uh, maple syrup in it. It's a, it's a very all-Canadian thing, but uh, you know our family is even known for taking Ziplocs of tea with us when we travel because we love it so much. Wow. We, uh, Lily, you'll love this. We had a guest on one of our shows about a month and a half ago who said he grew a tea tree in his backyard, and he harvested the leaves and carried them wherever he traveled around the world, little Ziploc bags, and he always had his own tea leaves ready to go. I didn't ask if he reads them, just that he takes them with him. So, yes, you really keep a machete in the garage. My engineer is saying, what, on the chat window here. Seriously, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, we we have one. It's uh, I don't always uh, pick the right coconut, and I don't always get a great swing, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, thank you very much. Stay safe. That's all I'll say is stay yeah. safe. <laughs> wow. Guess what? We're going to take a quick break and let our wonderful panelists have a chance to sip whatever is in front of them on the desk right now. Our topic today is the charge. I love that word, the charge of the electric car, utilities and the Internet of Things. What is happening with the power grid? What are microgrids? How in the world are we going to find the electric power without destroying the infrastructure or having to completely rebuild it at great cost in terms of time and money and effort so that the electric cars that are now circling the world and trying to keep the roads open so they can go somewhere quickly so they can have the power to go wherever they want. I'm Bonnie D. Graham speaking. Speaking today with Prashant Kulkarni and Pratik Saxena, both from Tech Mahindra. We'll find out a little more about their company when we return. And we're also joined by Lalit Kanaran, Vice President, Customer Innovation and Strategic Projects at SAP Labs. Thrilled to be speaking with the three of them. We've already got our drink orders in. and we're, we're waiting for a lot more information. And we also shared a history of the electric cars. So there, look it up yourself. We'll be right back after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Bread out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram 
at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Welcome back. We're talking today about the charge of the electric car. That's such a loaded word. Utilities in the IoT. How can we get from here to there if we don't have the power to power our electric cars? The topic of the day is talking about an issue with almost 1 million electric cars already on the roads around the world and traffic growing by the minute. Utilities are faced with a huge surge in power demands, and this creates anxiety at many, many levels. So I'm going to ask Prashant Kulkarni, our guest from Tech Mahindra, to kick off our conversation, talk about demand response, reliability, the smart grid. Take it wherever you want it to go, Prashant, and then we'll have our other panelists chime in on your topic. Go ahead, Prashant. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. And uh, I don't want to start with where you left in terms of its anxiety, right? So uh, it, it it reminds me of the anxiety with electric vehicles when one of my friends asked me, like, you know, do I get a shock? The answer is probably no, it's pretty safe, uh, especially when you compare that you are carrying a tank of explosive today uh, on your vehicles as compared to that electric vehicles are very safe. So uh, the next anxiety that you uh, find is on the range anxiety. I mean, will I be able to drive to the destination? Right? I want to get on the road now. Will I be able to drive to the destination? Will I have enough power? What is the range that my vehicle would provide me? So that's, there's a lot of anxiety about that. But if you really look at the vehicles today, they give you pretty good range. I mean, if you take Nissan Leaf, it gives you about 90 miles, and you have even better vehicles that can even go up to 200 miles. Now, while then the question comes is, what if I'm traveling from here about 500 miles? Like, you know, do I need to really stop at every different places? Now, with every challenge, you would see a lot of innovation coming in. People, people are very, very uh, you know, innovative, and entrepreneurship I mean, really comes out to solve these challenges. And uh, one of the things that I was reading, and today you have, that as you are driving in, if, your power co- if you have anxiety of your power, you can just open up your uh, mobile and see where is the nearest charge. Now, the question is, do I need to go there and charge? Not necessarily. I mean, you have a robotic arm, which, and you have got... Uh, no, the battery exchange capabilities, you, you just, just picks up your existing battery, replaces with a new battery, and you're on the road in about a minute and 30 seconds, right? So there are solutions available. There are a lot of innovations and entrepreneurship coming in together to solve these challenges. Now, coming to the topic of the day, right, uh, let's really look like, you know, what is the uh, charge that we really need, right? Or do we have enough power, right? So... If we, well, uh, recently, there was a survey done by, um, you know, wherein, like, you know, they, they, they took about 2,000-odd users and then, you know, uh, surveyed of what is the exact charge they are looking at. So the average power demand for a charge on most of the vehicles is about 3 to 6 kilowatts. And mm-hmm. there are certain models where you go up to 19 kilowatts also. Now, when we say 3 to 6 kilowatts, that's equivalent to running a a small uh, AC unit. No? And then when we look at uh, about 19 kilowatts, it is, it is about like you know, a single-family usage. Right? That's the kind of demand that we are looking at. Now, then comes the point like, you know, okay, that's not much, but the challenge comes since where like, you know, all of these uh, are charged at the same time. You come from office, you put your vehicle to charge, you're on your AC, and that's when the load on the transformer comes in. 
So the first thing that you are looking at is how do I balance this out? How do I balance the peak load? Uh, no, and and give give options. How do I build this? Make this peak load come down, and that is where your uh, you know, your solutions like demand response in terms of time of use, uh, your capability. I mean uh, features that you can provide to the customers and bring that peak down. The next is like you know once you are able to bring the peak down, the next is about integrating with the renewable energy like solar and like. Uh, Wind energy, you can integrate with the grid and then meet the demand. Now, there are a lot of incentives that are available for both consumers as well as utility by going with these options. Okay. Pratik Saxena, thoughts? Yeah, and I think what Prashant touched uh, is a very interesting uh, point. Uh, so most of the people think that uh, with electric cars and with the, this load uh, um, you know, coming on the grid, uh, you know, how utilities are going to manage, especially when we hear so much about uh, the old uh, crumbling infrastructure in electricity distribution. And I think the solution is uh, to uh, develop microgrids. And the classic example of uh, these type of solutions is think about, uh, Bonnie, you know, I just want to remind you that or uh, recall, uh, you know, your request uh, uh, when we were talking about uh, getting on this live show, you wanted us to use uh, landline. And, mm -hmm. and you, know, uh, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, uh, probably my wife was very smart to force me to have a landline connection still intact uh, when uh, we all are using uh, cell phones uh, so much. Uh, so most of the homes now are using cell phones and they are not, not even enough line, landlines now. So I think that is the same parlay to uh, to larger grid versus micro grid, uh, especially when these loads are getting on grid uh, and also uh, the cities are going vertical. So if you see city of Toronto or you see downtown uh, Manhattan, uh, New York, uh, the cities are going vertical, and it's not the uh, the problem of uh, enough generation, there is enough generation, but th this is the problem of taking these electrons from the generating station uh, to the consumer. Uh, and, and the type of investment that is needed for the infrastructure, which is building transmission lines, uh, and especially when, you know, these cities are so old and already, you know, uh, grown so fast, uh, it is so difficult to, uh, to, to carry these electrons. And hence, the solutions like demand response and microgrid is the answer uh, uh, of the future, uh, you know, problem or to address this grid problem. Thank you, Pratik and Prashant. Good setup for our problem. We have to have a problem before we can look at solutions. Lali Kanaran, talk to me. What do you think about what your co-panelists shared for setting up our, our issue here and uh, thoughts on the IoT? Well, you know, certainly... Uh if I look at my kids as an example, they, they probably don't have any intention of owning cars. They're big fans of ride-sharing. Mm -hmm. um, and what's common with ride-sharing is the rides are for shorter periods of time and shorter distances. So, so really what we're looking for is um, you know, models already where electric vehicles make a ton of sense. Um, and you know, I think we just need to continue to see improvements in batteries. Um, and as Prashant said, it's, it's really about having multiple sources of, of electricity coming from the traditional um, big plants plus solar and, 
and wind and, and getting the electricity to the right spots at the right times and then being able to store it for later use. Thank you very much. Prashant, what do you think about that? I think we uh, all tend to agree. I mean, that's that's where we are moving. But what what also I'm excited is about the uh, the push from the social media, right? I mean, we have today Facebooks, we have got people connected, and I see that there would be a lot of traction. From, I mean, starting from where um, we were talking about shared, uh, you know, electric. I mean, shared drive. Now, one of the problem statement is that okay, I need to charge my vehicle. I go to the nearest charging point, and I see that like you know the there are no charges available. Now you. Also have today you also have apps where like you, know, you have connected people you can just use your QR scanner on on your mobile scan uh, scan the window panel and it will tell you like you know you can send out a message to say like you know I need I'm I'm in a bit of urgent I need to use the power can I take can I take your charge and you, know, you are already eighty percent right you no know, so those kind of things you can do an exchange on the uh, on the social media and use that. Now, at the same time, there are other, you know, very innovative, uh, you know, social-driven uh, opportunities where, you, uh, where as a communities, you can come together and then help, uh, you know, balance this peak load on the grid and, you know, take the benefits out of it. Thank you. Guess what? I'm going to look at the notes that Pratik sent me, and I want to move in the direction. I want to talk about microgrids around the world, Pratik. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the differences between how the microgrids are functioning in Europe. Are they the same as the microgrids that are emerging in new economies in the Asia-Pacific versus North America? Why don't you give us a global view of microgrids, which are the answer to overcome the problem of the challenge of keeping electric vehicles powered? What do you think? Yeah, so Bonnie, thank you. Uh, uh, and, and before I get into the topic, I just want to uh, mention about uh, something which I and Lalit have been discussing before this uh, uh, talk show. And it was about uh, mobile electric chargers. And I think Lalit came out with this idea, which I, I thought is very fascinating, where uh, uh, he was thinking of having a drone-type uh, chargers and you can just, uh, you know, from your cell phone, order a charging uh, for your electric cars, and these chargers would fly in, and these are, uh, Bonnie, these are plugless chargers. They don't need uh, to be, you know, plugged into the batteries. They can charge the batteries uh, uh, without wire. So uh, very fascinating uh, ideas, and I can clearly see, you know, where this whole industry is moving. Uh, with driverless cars, and, you know, now we are mm-hmm. talking about driverless uh, uh, drone type uh, charging station so uh, so 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 uh, uh, very very interesting word uh, we are going to have uh, in next couple of years it, so coming it to is. the mic yeah. Go ahead, and I, I want you to address also uh, what I think Lalit was the one who brought it up about the shared economy and, and drive share, sharing, ride sharing, we call it, uh, in terms of what will this do for the future of electric cars. We can cover that later in the show. I just want to keep that topic on the table. So go ahead, Pratik. Okay, now coming to the topic of microgrids, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, there are two or three uh, problem statements. Uh, so the first problem statement uh, came from uh, my working with the government of Ontario in Canada. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, line of fire. And this is typically term used for a very mineral-rich uh, northern Ontario. 
where there are huge reserves of uh, metal, uh, you know, in, in there. But uh, mining companies are not able to invest because of lack of electricity or lack of power. And uh, so government is seriously thinking of, uh, you know, how to build infrastructure where uh, these mining companies can come and invest, which is not only going to help, uh, uh, you know, the overall economy, uh, but also will create a lot of jobs. Uh, and, and I think this is worth an investment. Uh, but laying a transmission line 750 miles uh, from the nearest, nearest generation station uh, is a big investment. So the answer is microgrids, where you locally generate and locally distribute and consume. So that's one classic use case of uh, why microgrids are so important. The second use case is when, you know, we were... Uh, uh, we, we were having an opportunity in the uh, Philippines, which is a country of islands. And mm-hmm. these islands are still, uh, you know, using uh, diesel generation uh, for their uh, electricity usage. And the solution is, uh, A, electricity, the, the generation, diesel generation is very expensive. And also, uh, it needs to be transported because there are no pipelines for the diesel. So what is the answer? The answers are microgrid. And I'll come uh, in a minute about what this microgrid definition is because mm-hmm. the definition of microgrid varies from uh, pers- people to people and companies to companies. Uh, the third use case is about, uh, you know, I, I spoke about uh, Manhattan, uh, downtown New York, uh, city uh, downtown Toronto, uh, where the congestion is a huge problem and uh, laying a transmission lines uh, is not an option. So I think uh, the solution is, uh, again, uh, creating a microgrid at a building level. So the definition of uh, microgrid is when you generate uh, locally, which is distributed generation, and distributed generation is a combination of renewable generation, uh, where you have got solar generation, you have got uh, geothermal, you have got, uh, if, uh, you know, one of the interesting concepts which city of Toronto is using is deep lake water cooling, uh, so they, they, you know, circulate uh, deep lake water uh, to cool the buildings, which reduces the air conditioning load, and also they use the same water, uh, purify it, and use it as a portable water. So uh, these type of interesting concepts are coming, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, you are uh, able to reduce the cost of generation because now you have got more uh, percentage of renewable in the mix of uh, local generation, at the same time, you are reducing losses, transmission losses, because you are not transmitting electrons miles, uh, but you are use, using these electrons locally. So you are using the trans, uh, reducing the transmission losses. So that's the third aspect of the microgrid. The fourth aspect of microgrid is, uh, and again, it is very interesting anecdote. My specialization when I got out of uh, my uh, MBA school uh, was in operation research and logistics and inventory management. And I, I was working for a very large uh, uh, oil company, uh, and all of a sudden I came into electricity industry, and I was told that electricity is one thing which doesn't need uh, inventory management because you cannot store it. That's and right. that's a classic example. You can't mm-hmm. store electricity, so what you do? And, and now the technology is developing where batteries and flywheels uh, are, are, uh, are being developed and it is being uh, very effectively used for storage. So combination of all these disparate, and the last piece, which is the fifth piece, is the energy management. 
And so you are getting the data from the demand side, which is the consumption side, and then you are getting the data on the generation side, and uh, you are creating an IoT platform which is making a smart decisions on real-time balancing of the grid at a micro level, which is exactly the same parlay uh, between a landline and a cell phone. Thank you. All good, interesting information. Lalit, join us. Thoughts on what Pratik just shared with us and Prashant? Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, the early discussion about uh, mining in northern Ontario uh, reminds me of uh, some of our um, energy and natural resource customers where they use so much electricity, they actually will commission, uh, for instance, a natural gas plant to be built at the mine location because it's easier to do that and generate electricity locally than it is to to build a, a large grid that might bring uh, electricity across hundreds of miles. So certainly that, that message of generating electricity where it, closer to where it's consumed resounds with me. Okay. And, and, Lalit, yeah. Yeah, go, I, I was going to get to some of the points in your notes here, but go ahead, finish your thought, and then I want to go in, a, in another direction. Please continue. Yeah, and then I'm also uh, fascinated with the, the idea of, of energy storage, as, as uh, Prashant mentioned, not necessarily with traditional batteries, right, but by, by pumping water and storing it or, or by storing compressed air even, right? So I think there's going to be some fascinating advances in how we can store energy and use that energy later when either the cost of the grid-produced electricity is too high or when there's outages or, or uh, peaks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I yeah, want to talk Bonnie, one about of, one of the best yeah. parts. One of the best mm-hmm. parts of microgrid is that it's clean energy. Yes, and that's what we're all looking for. That that's one of yeah. our major goals around the world is clean energy. It's about time, right? That's why we're trying to get away from the emissions from the the gas powered cars. And I think that's one of the big pushes. But Lalit has uh, mentioned Lalit, you mentioned in your notes some of the interesting challenges, the new challenges, and the use cases for. What happens when you have an electric car? This is really basic everyday stuff, but I think it bears mentioning. And then I'm going to segue you right into the flexible architecture and talk about electric electrification in the new industrial revolution, which is a very exciting way to look at this. But let's talk, Lily, charger location, battery storage, billing, parking assistance, distance you can go on the charge. What happens if you're taking a 400-mile trip and you can't find a charging station? Let's talk about some of the pragmatic stuff. Will IoT help the average, if there's such a, a person, the average electric car user, let's say in North America, with all of these challenges? Lalit? Um, certainly. I, I think uh, we have a great opportunity here to sense more things in the environment, right? So we mm-hmm. can... Um, we can sort of learn about driver patterns and then forecast the type of um, charging someone might need overnight and then based on the trips they're taking, you know, make, make it easy for them to find where the chargers are on the way. Um, if I'm visiting a friend, it would be great if I could charge my car at the friend's house, but, you know, the car might require 10 or $12 of electricity, whatever the amount. Um, it would be also good if I could figure out how much that charge cost and pay for it directly rather than just taking the electricity and having that show up on my, my friend's bill. You know, and then even simple things like parking garages, right? So, so we have lots of parking garages in, in North America and across the world with hundreds if not thousands of parking spots, and, and we're trying to put EV chargers in there, right? But then there comes this question about 
I typically park my car for eight hours. So do I plug it in? And then what happens to the next person if they come and they just happen to get to work five minutes later? So, so I think um, Prashant mentioned the idea of uh, social media. Maybe I can just scan and tweet the user and say, hey, it looks like you're at 80%. Let me, let me take it. But I think we're going to have to collaborate and we're going to have to share um, energy and, and use that shared energy to make this work. So okay, I'm a big fan yeah. of that. Yeah, and then you know, in, in terms yeah. of utility challenges, I, I think um, one of the things we have to do is help the utilities uptake the big data technologies, the you know, interacting with mobile and social media, and all of that. And at the same time, we have to find a way to preserve their big investments in technology. Right. So if we can find a way to give them better uptime by predicting the life of an asset and predicting outages. Maybe we can extend um, the life of the existing assets as opposed to doing wholesale replacements. Um, if we can protect the transformers that are already in place, I think that's a huge improvement for utility spend. Thank you, Lalit. Let's talk about this new industrial revolution. I think this is a, an exciting topic. Uh, you talk about the age of Westinghouse, Tesla, and Edison, and the role of electrification. Let's introduce this idea. Where are we going with all of this? Lali? Well, you know, whenever I watch documentaries about uh, the, the three gentlemen you mentioned, I, I, I think I missed a golden age where, you know, everything became possible. There were, there were daring entrepreneurs and inventors who completely changed the landscape of the world we live in. We, we can take so much for granted today because of all of those um, innovations and how they were implemented. Um, and I think we're living really in a time now where we're facing the same kind of opportunity to innovate and change people's lives. You know, I think Prashant mentioned the opportunity to not just have energy that's, that's distributed across the grid, but to have clean energy. You know, the idea that we could now drive a car that um, has uh, zero emissions. You know, so, so I think that is, is fascinating. And I think the idea that we ourselves as consumers aren't just, you know, having electricity coming down a wire to our house, but we can actually be producers of electricities uh, and, and actually make money doing it, but also power our own homes. Um, and then the idea that, that we possess a lot of information about usage that is of value back up into the, um, the utility providers so they can learn and prioritize how the energy is distributed. I, I think it's going to be extremely interesting in the next few years to see all of the, the innovations and the pace of innovations. And, and, of course, I think the key there is that we have to make it um, easily digestible to the consumers, right? There's, there's a lot of change coming. We have to make it simple. We have to make the interfaces delightful, and we have to make sure the business models make sense. I love the way you said make the interfaces delightful and the business models make sense. That's a that's a big challenge, isn't it, Lalit? That's a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. We you know, we come in from a world where, you know, people received bills and you know, that was fair because they understood what they were using relative to the bills and then we shifted into a model where we tried to incentivize behavior so that things like time of use rates, uh things like the peak saver plans that we have in in, in Ontario, where we can toggle back the use of air conditioners on hot days when, when there's peak demand. Um, you know, but, but beyond incentivization, we're getting to a, a model where the consumer is a partner. And so we have to engage them and enable them as a partner. 
Thank you, Prashant. I want to get you in on this. Prashant Kulkarni, and then we'll invite Pratik Saxena. We've had a lot of new thoughts shared on the round the table with Lalit. So, Prashant, thoughts? Well, um, I want to I want to start from where Lalit left in terms of like you know making it very simple, easy for the uh, user, and, and make it delightful. Now, uh, I mean, technologies have come together. I mean, this is one one area that you know, I'm, I get very comfortable with. Like you know, <laughs> now the technologies have so much improved that like you no, know, you can you have can you can have those delightful uh, interfaces on your mobile, and you can connect with the in-memory technology where like you know you can process large amount of data at lightning speed you have the ability to integrate with social media collaboration uh, you can use collaboration tools so technology has really come a long way uh, over the last couple of years to make this happen so it's it's not just on paper but now today you can take an idea you can bring in all these technologies together you know and, and you know you can deliver within within a short period of time so it is a reality today that you can make it happen Thank you. Pratik, join us. Yeah, so uh, uh, I, I, I will, uh, you know, take from uh, what we have Lalit left. It is about uh, adoption, and uh, there is a lot of technologies available. There is a lot of uh, interesting ideas uh, connecting with social media, having a mobile application. But at the end of the day, think about utilities on the challenges they are facing. They are facing challenges of uh, cultural change. And cultural mm-hmm. change doesn't happen in a year or two. Uh, it takes time. Uh, we are doing a project uh, in Ontario, and, uh, uh, we, you know, we, we, are, we have to talk to grandmoms and uh, seniors uh, and talk about all these innovative stuff which we are talking on this talk show. And, and it is, you, you can imagine how difficult and challenging it is to explain them that, you know, uh, your thermostat would remotely uh, reduce... Uh, uh, the temperature or increase the temperature, which uh, is very difficult for them to comprehend. So I think it is more of education and working together uh, with the, you know different partners uh, and the stakeholders, and and it's a matter of communicating and educating, uh, uh, you know, at, at a mass level. Thank you. I, I want to read a little uh, comment here from USA Today on who buys electric cars, particularly in the U.S. I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, Abhinesh Prashant Pratik and Lalit, if you're surprised by the following, smart, rich people buy electric cars. Owners of plug-in electric cars are well-off, well-educated people who want to wean themselves and the nation off of high-price oil, according to a pair of new reports. And this is three years old, this article, almost three years old from USA Today. Uh, The independent reports add to the prevailing profile of electric car owners as affluent people who are not and don't have to be terribly concerned about the high purchase price of the current crop of plug-in vehicles compared with ordinary cars or even conventional hybrids. And then they get into specific models. Uh, And I was just intrigued. There's also a subsidy of a tax credit. The federal government gives you a a tax credit, interestingly enough. Uh, I was intrigued with uh, our our last speaker mentioned, uh, I think it was you, Pratik, talking about your project that that, uh, Tech Mahindra is doing in Ontario, Canada. And I want to read just a couple of lines here from a a wonderful press release about this project. You said you're talking to seniors and grandmas. Are they the ones in Ontario who are buying the cars up there, or are they just curious about it? 
Pratik? So, Bonnie, as a part of the program, we are offering electric cars uh, for a, a specific test period. Uh, really? And no, no cost to them. And still, imagine we are having challenges in convincing them that why it is uh, beneficial for them. So, that's the challenge. Wow. Wow, I think I'm going to move. <laughs> I'd like to try that. Yeah, I could. Uh, we could bring the radio station with me. That's fine. Let me just read this a press release from May 19, 2015. Tech Mahindra, a specialist in digital transformation, consulting, and business reengineering, announced it will build an in- intelligent electric vehicle charging system. And those of you who love letters and alphabet soup, that's an IEVCS, Intelligent Electric Vehicle Charging System. That's a title that packs a wallop designed to help build Ontario's clean energy future. The project sponsored by the Ministry of Energy and funded in part through the Ontario Smart Grid Fund initiative will analyze the effects of electric vehicle charging on transformers by creating a real-time transformer monitoring and analytic solution. And it will be have the ability to automatically manage the charging between vehicles to ensure the transformers do not overload as a result of the electric vehicle charging. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, Tech Mahindra, along with its partners, will develop and design a reliable distribution system for electric vehicles that will manage the load profiles by queuing their charging to prevent overload while keeping participants' information private. We love that part, too. Very, very interesting. Prashant or Pratik, you want to comment on this? Uh, oh, my goodness. You know what? We're, we have three minutes left till the end of the show. Who wants to give me a one-sentence wrap-up on this press release before we go into a 45-second prediction round for each of you? Anybody have one sentence to comment on that press release? Pratik or Prashant? Yeah, so about this project, uh, we are addressing a very specific uh, problem statement, which is about, as you rightly pointed out from U.S. today, uh, the electric cars are being sold in a particular postal code. Uh, and so if my neighbors are buying electric cars, I'm also buying electric car. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a, a transformer feeds into seven or eight or ten homes. And if my neighbor and I am and, uh, you know, a few other uh, homes on one transformer are buying electric cars, and they all are getting charged at the same time, it is uh-huh. going to overload uh, or maybe blow the transformer off. So the solution which we are creating is uh, uh, monitoring transformers on a real-time basis, and then curtailing the charging or queuing, that's the word we used, mm-hmm. uh, so that all the cars are charged at the end of the night and ready to go. Uh, so that's our solution. Thank you. I love it. Now, we're down to 30 seconds apiece for predictions, but I think this whole show has been about predictions. So let me give you a formal 30 seconds, Prashant Kulkarni at Tech Mahindra. Predictions for the year, let's just say 2020. I like that year. You can go before or after, but 30 seconds predictions. What's going to change in the world of electric vehicles, microgrid, and the ability to say charge and really mean it? Go ahead, Prashant. 30 seconds, go. I would see a lot of adoption of clean clean technology, uh, a lot of electric vehicles on the road, and the social media working very actively to share and share the benefits of clean technology. Terrific. Pratik Saxena, also at Tech Mahindra. 30 seconds, predictions. Talk to me. So uh, my, my, my prediction is uh, the power of energy consumption, and which can be uh, translated into one common denominator, which is the carbon unit, uh, would fall uh, in the laps of uh, cities or uh, municipalities or townships. 
And this is what now we are seeing, a culture of a smart cities. And these smart cities would adopt renewable generation, clean energy, clean tech, uh, including electric cars, uh, including transport. Uh, so, we, you know, these the smart cities would be looking at zero emission transportability. And all these things would be the tipping point in the way we currently consume and generate uh, energy. Thank you very much. I save 30 seconds for Lalit Kanaran at SAP Labs Predictions. Go, Lalit, fast. I'm a big fan of the democratization of the economy, so I love it that people, individuals can be a taxi company or a, or a hotel. And, and certainly I think with uh, rooftop solar and things of that nature, um, people can be the utility themselves to some extent. So, so that's fascinating. And I look forward to a world where you know affordable cars are there and it makes sense to buy an EV car, regardless of the incentives. Thank you very much. We are out of time. Prashant Kulkarni, Pratik Saxena, Lalit Kanaran, wonderful panel. Thank you for sharing your brilliance. I say that, your brilliance about electric cars, about microgrids, about the whole challenge of clean energy around the world. Really appreciate the three of you giving us our time. And a shout-out to, oh, let's see, we have Mihira Kalim and uh, David Yonker and Ira Burke, who sponsored this series called Internet of Things with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I have one thing to say. Fasten your seatbelts. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now. Get in that car and do something clean with it. We'll talk to you next week on Game Changers Radio. And shout out to Brad, our engineer at World Talk Radio. Everybody have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.